isn't it great to just stop at this really busy time of year and just reflect on what we can thank God for? It's a great thing to do. Now, we've all heard the saying, you know, can't see the forest for the trees. You know, we're so captured by the detail of what's going on that we miss the big picture. It's a saying about the power of perspective. Uh, And when we lose perspective, our vision becomes filled with the troubles of the moment, the the predicament we find ourselves in, and our vision becomes hooded and and, and ensnared by our problems. Uh, Like the times, uh, the troubles and difficulties of parenthood can rob me of the joy and significance of what it means to be a parent. Uh, It might be the sleepless nights and repetition of the demands of parenting younglings, uh, or for me now, the late night debates with teenagers as they navigate that path to adulthood. Uh, Both of those can rob you of the wonder of the big picture of parenthood, the wonder that God has entrusted you with the lives of his children. This problem of perspective will often happen when we face obstacles again and again, problem after problem in something we're trying to achieve. Like uh, when I was building a deck at the back of my old house with a friend um, a number of years ago on the coldest week of the year, it happened to be. Um, And in order to do it, we needed to destroy the old porch, take it apart. And the cement supports of that porch were just so stubborn and cold and heavy. And I was cold and tired and frustrated. And then it started snowing. I mean, snowing for crying out loud. And not the light, you know, the nice soft stuff. I'm talking about the really icy, bitter, hard stuff. And my friend and I needed to be reminded of the fact that this is a big picture. You know, we need to see what we're trying to do. We've just got this one week off together to take apart this old porch and build a new deck. And we just needed to keep going, even after hours of feeling like getting nowhere. When we lose the forest for the trees, we lose, lose that power of perspective of what we're actually doing. We fail to appreciate what's going on in the light of the big picture. And as that happens, we are robbed of thankfulness. What I hope to do today is I want us to lift our eyes. I want us to take a step back and see the big picture again. Be reminded of God's great and powerful and eternal work that he has included us in, involved us in, by looking at a vision of the end, a vision of where history is heading, of where we're heading. And my prayer is that that as we do that, our thankfulness will grow. Why don't you join me in praying that God would do that to us today. Father God, we thank you for the wonder of your word. As we reflect on what you're doing now, what you have done in Jesus, and where it's all going, as we've read in this passage in Revelation 7. Lift our eyes and grow in us a heart of thankfulness. Amen. So there's perspective and there's perspective. You know, there's stepping back and getting a wider view. And then there's stepping back and getting an even bigger view. And the the passage we're looking at today steps us as far back as we possibly can to get a bigger picture so that we can thank God for all he's done and is doing in 2022. Revelation 7 is a vision of the goal of God's great work. It's a vision of where history is headed, a vision of the end. And as we look forward to that end, it helps us to understand the now, life as we know it, as we're going through it. 
and with a clearer vision, we're able to see what God is at work doing now as well, which in turn will open our eyes to how much we have to be thankful for. So if you haven't got your Bibles open, open them now. Revelation 7, have a look at verse 9, that first verse we read. After this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people and language which no one could number standing before the throne and before the Lamb and they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Before time began, before God spoke those universe-forming words, let there be light, God looked forward to the day that we see described in Revelation 7. He actually planned for that day. The day when people who speak different languages, who had been divided into nations, separated, broken, marred by sin, would stand worthy in his sight, praising him, singing joyful, thankful praises to the one who deserves all praise. His plan was to include people from different places, different tongues, different families, as his chosen people, forgiven by the blood of the Lamb, fit for his presence, brought into the wonderful fulfilment and the blossoming of all that God had planned to do and created them to be. And we're told more of who these people are later in the vision. Verse 13, one of the 24 elders asked John, who is John's the man who wrote Revelation? And one of the elders asked, Who are these crowd in white robes? And John politely responds by saying, you're asking me? Why don't you tell me, my friend? And so verse 14, the elder answers, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The great tribulation. What's he talking about? Well, if we were to turn back and read Revelation 6, we would see the great tribulation that the elder is speaking of six seals opened by the Lamb, by the Lord Jesus Christ, that help us to see what life is like waiting for Jesus to return. A world racked by curse and warfare and death, persecution, famine, plague and violent bloodshed. A world bending under the weight of God's curse and bending under the weight of injustice and sinfulness and the destructiveness of humanity. A world where the souls of those who lost their life being faithful to God cry out for God to bring an end, to bring justice. This great multitude has been faithful to God through this tribulation. They've conquered, they've trusted. They've not given up on God while waiting for him to put things right. And they praise his name. They are those, we are told, who've washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. So they were guilty. Their clothes were stained with sin, with rejection of God, unworthy to come into God's presence. But God, in his great eternal plan, sent his son as the Lamb of God who died. His blood was shed so that these broken, sinful, rebellious people could stand worthy, holy in his sight. They are people who have so much to be thankful for. In the presence of God, they can't contain their joy, their thankfulness. They sing with the joy that comes from knowing how much they've been forgiven and how much they don't deserve to be where they are. And you see even more of the reason that they explode in thanksgiving and praise in verse 16 when he says, hunger and thirst is gone. He says, scorching heat and drought are gone. Every tear gone forever. 
pain, sorrow, anxiety, sin, sadness, all gone. War and hatred and division, gone forever. This broken world restored and complete. What it is, it has become what it was created to be all along. A world overflowing with joy and wonder, unbroken by sin and curse. And so they praise God. Have you ever been struck by how much you have to be thankful for? Have you ever received something so undeserved that it just blows you away in thankfulness? A bit like an Olympic athlete who's won gold and they know they don't deserve it. And they're so aware of how so many people have given up so much so that that moment could happen. They're given the microphone and they just start thanking and thanking and they just don't stop. Or it might be when someone has surprised you with a gift that you just didn't ask for. You know you didn't deserve it, something you'd never buy yourself, but a simple act of generosity. Someone has given that to you. I've experienced that when thankfulness just wells up inside me. And I just want to say thank you so much. I'm blown away. Those moments are just a small picture of what has resulted in the praise of God we see explode in Revelation chapter 7. But it's not just people who break out in praise in this chapter. Uh, verse 11, the elders and the four living creatures, they're also joining this cacophony of praise in Revelation 7. Who are they? Well, go back to chapter 4, you'll meet the four living creatures and the elders. Four living creatures are four flying creatures that are in the throne room of God, one with the face of a lion, one with the face of an ox, another with the face of an eagle and another with the human face. The king of the wild animals, the king of the domesticated animals, the king of the animals of the air, and the one in the image of God. It's a vision of all the created order praising the living God. The 24 elders, 12 times 2, a vision of all the authorities created by God together praising him. The authorities in heaven and on earth praising the living God. This is a noisy vision overflowing, abounding praise as the whole of the created order erupts in a cacophony of praise and thanksgiving. That's what we were created for, to bring praise and honour and glory and thanks to God, full of wisdom and power and strength. And this is where life, this is where history, this is where the work of God is headed. And you know what? If you trust in Jesus, you are in that vision. Have you thought about that? If John had a video camera and began focusing in on individual faces, if you trust in Jesus, he could have seen your face in that crowd. You're there. Your face is in the Bible. That does my head in. That's where I will be on that last day. If you trust in Jesus, you will be there on that last day. That is your future. And if you trust in Jesus, that's all our future. And it's a vision that lifts our perspective while we wait for that day. A vision that will help us grow our thankfulness for all God has done, all God is doing, and all God will do. And our eternal future doesn't destroy our individuality, our personality. Each person in that crowd is a vision of a real person with a real name, with a real history, with a real language. And it's not rubbed out. 
This is not a nameless, faceless crowd, but a crowd of real people with real faces and real names. The things that make us us aren't rubbed out, but they're restored and renewed and cleansed from sin. And this vision of our future is a vision that's filled with relationship. Yes, we praise and honour our great God. We look to him, but we do that with others together in relationship with one another. I think we can have a picture of heaven that, to be honest, sounds a bit boring, sounds a bit two-dimensional, like the sort of images you see in Philadelphia cream cheese ads, you know, the, the fluffy clouds, the harps, the day after day after day of singing and music. Now, I like singing, but an eternity? Sounds a bit two-dimensional to me. No, it's not two-dimensional. I think this vision of chapter 7 that we see here can reinforce that stereotype. But to think of this vision of eternity in this way is to miss the wonder of the picture that God paints for us of our eternal future. Our eternal future is dynamic. It is filled with relationship, with a joy of active, personal relationship, face-to-face with the living God and face-to-face with one another. A relationship-filled heaven and earth. What that looks like, I'm not exactly sure. But it'll mean more than just singing praises and playing harps. I can tell you that now. It's dynamic. It's exciting. It's something to look forward to. But these verses are not just a vision of our future. It's a vision of the God we are made to praise and honour and give thanks to. Have a look at verse 12. Let's work our way through verse 12 and what it tells us about our God, who is worthy of all creation bowing the knee. Blessing and glory belong to him. Uh, When we see something worthy of honour and of praise, we immediately know it's that wow factor that makes us get out our phone, take a photo and put it on Facebook or Instagram, whatever you want to do. You know, that majestical view, that Olympic record, that moment that makes you jump out of your seat and say, wow, isn't that amazing? To be in the presence of God, to see him as he truly is, is enough to make us fall on our knees in wonder at the glory we are overwhelmed by enough to make the glory of all our achievements fade into irrelevance. All wisdom belonged to God. God in his wisdom and wonder made everything that we see, from the wonder of the stars in the sky to the intricacy of DNA and everything in between. He knows it all. He made it all. In the presence of our maker and our Lord, we face the reality of how little we understand and appreciate of the world he has made. All honour belongs to God. Honour is shown in recognition of who someone is and, and respecting their opinion. Respect that they're due. But in the case of God, our God and Father, we do more than just respect his opinion. We honour him as the only true God. It is only in knowing God that we come to know ourselves. Honouring God is recognising that everything finds its purpose and meaning in him. And loving that. All power and strength belong to God. We think we're powerful and capable and and strong and there is so much we can do, but in the presence of the living God, we realise we are powerless. We are helpless, finite, broken and weak. We're unable to save ourselves. We are totally dependent on him who has all strength and power. We need God. And because of all of this together... All thanksgiving is to be given to God. God has done so much 
that we need to thank him for. Every breath we take, we owe to him. Everything we own, we don't really own, it's been given to us by him, created by him. Every relationship we enjoy, the very idea of love comes from him, is defined by him. It's all an undeserved and almighty gift from God. And of course, the most profound and generous gift of all is that God would want us to be in his family. We called his children. So much so that Christ dies that we might be forgiven and welcomed into the very throne room of God. Worthy, holy, blameless. And we receive blessing upon blessing upon blessing from his generous and forgiving hand. God's name really is majestic in all of heaven and earth. There is no end to the thanksgiving we should give God. We owe him. Eternity is not enough time to thank him enough. And no wonder Paul in Colossians commands those who trust in Jesus to be thankful. It's a command. Why? Because thanking God is core to receiving what God has given us. If we're not thankful, we haven't realised how much we've been given and how great God is. The unspeakable wonder that he would call us his children. Revelation 7 gives us a vision of the end, a vision of where God's great plan, his eternal plan is going, where history is headed, where you and I are headed if we trust in Jesus. This vision should give us perspective, help us to see the big picture and see the forest rather than just the trees and the detail. And as we look at where all this is headed, we can look again at our lives now and we see with fresh eyes what God has done, what he's doing and what he will do. And that should grow our thankfulness as we recognise God's work amongst us. God's great plan, as we've seen, is to gather an uncountable multitude before him from every tribe and nation and tongue and language. People once divided, praising God forever. And he's at work now to bring our world and us to that great day, to that eternal future. And we have seen God doing that this year, haven't we? We heard from Trish just before. Just one person's story of how she came to know and love and trust in the God that we meet in these verses. A God worthy of all praise and honour and glory and thanks. But there's others in our congregations too. In fact, this morning after church, Trish just had to go out and get more invites to invite more people to come to church at Christmas. It's just so beautiful. We've heard how our missionaries are thankful for the ways that they've seen God at work in the lives of those around them, how they are thankful for our partnership with them as God works together with us to gather people from every tribe and nation and people and language to that great day. We've heard from lots of different people right at the start of our service thanking God for the way that they've seen him at work in the lives of those around them. In our youth, in opportunities to serve, God at work answering prayers in so many wonderful ways. And in each of these, we're reminded that the way God has chosen to work to bring about this eternal future is through the humble works and the service of fallen, broken, ordinary people like me and you. Jesus came as God in the flesh, God's one and only Son. The creator of the world entered our world to achieve God's great and eternal work. He lived, he suffered, he died, he rose, then he left. 
and then he entrusted God's great salvation plan to 11 men, what were they like? Well, they ran away when he was arrested. They denied him a number of times. They never really understood they were ordinary, broken, weak men. Like, seriously, couldn't God come up with a better plan than that? No, that's how he's chosen to work. And now he has entrusted that same work to you and to me. God calls us co-workers. Have a look at this passage from 1 Corinthians. It's going to come up on the screen. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither one, the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labour, for we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. People plant, people water, people speak the truth in love and serve and give and partner with others in the gospel, but God gives the growth through the work that we do. We're involved in this great and eternal work. As we lift our eyes to the future glory that is to come, as we look with renewed perspective to what God is doing now, we also see the wonder that he's included us in this great work. Bringing people into relationship with him, that their faces would be in that crowd on that last day. We have so much to be thankful for in 2022, don't we? We have this new building. We have food that we eat each day. We have friends and family, answered prayers, too many to count. And we'll spend some time sharing a few of those, thanking God together later. But as we stop and thank God and reflect, let's thank him for how we've seen him at work, growing his kingdom in our hearts and in the lives of those around us. Through people he's brought to himself and grown and made more like him. Let's thank God for the way that he has involved us in his wonderful, powerful, eternal work because as we think of each of the ways that God has worked in the lives of those around us, we can see how God used simple, ordinary efforts of people like you and me, like just an invitation to come to church. That's just how it started for Trish, just an invitation to come to church. And she came to know the Lord Jesus. A simple invitation, a simple conversation after church that led to a life altered by the gospel and answered to a question, a word that God used to encourage and rebuke and remind and lift up and restore. As I reflect on 2022 with an eye to what God is doing and has done and will do, I thank God for how more and more people here at church at 1045 have seen the wonderful opportunity that growth groups are to speak the truth in love. And continue to do that, spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, to grow together, to know and love God more and bear fruit in every good work. I praise God for what he's doing here. I'm thankful for the simple, wonderful ways I see God at work through these ordinary words, ordinary acts of service and love. As the Spirit uses those words and acts of love to send his eternal gospel to those around us. God at work gathering the young and the old, male and female, people from different walks of life and languages to know and love and serve our great God. That's what I'm thankful for. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for this year 
as you consider where we're all headed on that last day.